Well, you can be seated. And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I'll do every now, I guess every time we do this, um, I'll think about what Zach said in youth. Where is Zach? He's over here, I think, this morning in youth uh, Wednesday night. We've been having what we're calling a youth preach off. How many of you have heard about it? Several of you have heard about it. It's going really, really well. And we said um, he got up and preached and he said, uh, and if you don't have a Bible, we don't have ushers to hand them to you tonight. Real good. But we do have ushers in here this morning. If you don't have a Bible, they will hand you one this morning. So uh, I don't think I'll go through a service for a while without thinking about that. But um, it's been really good. We have got, I think, some of the best youth, as you already know, in the whole wide world. So um, we uh, at Rama used to have uh, what we used to call pastor's labs. And some of the people used to get up. Well, all the people that were in the pastor's labs or teacher's labs or evangelist labs or all the labs would have to get up and speak. And they'd have weeks and weeks, and everybody knew they were going to have to do it second year at school. And uh, they'd get up to speak after having preparation time of forever and eternity because they knew they were going to have to do it. And uh, I guarantee you they did not do a better job than what these youth had 10 minutes to prepare last week. I guarantee you they did not. You know, for the people that were in there... Karen, do you think they did? I mean, some of our teachers and stuff were in there and staff were in there. They did an excellent job. You would have been very pleased with them. Straight word. I'm telling you, very, very good. I know they're your kids, but they've got a lot of word in them, so you would be pleased. Well, this morning I want to share something with you. Um, You already know it. You won't be surprised to hear it. But I think it might help you if you'll be ready for it. Get your Bibles and turn to Luke 6.38. This morning, when I came in and they were singing that song, Hold On, I won't ever forget when Keith got that song. And I don't know if you noticed or not. I didn't do it purposely, but when I came in, I normally stand right here. Most always. But those of you who were standing here probably noticed I moved way over here. But it was because I just sensed so strong half the crowd was about ready to cry. You could sense it so strong. It was like, give up, Bill. And it's like, why? Tired. Ready to quit. It's like that hammer can only beat you down so far. Well, reckon why Keith wrote that song. And reckon why he wrote the next song, Be Steadfast. And reckon why he wrote the next song, always. And reckon why he wrote the next song, God is on my side. And reckon why he wrote the next song, there's no God as big as mine. 
reckon why he might have wrote those songs. Because there was many a day and many a night and many a week and many a week after week and many a month after month and many a year after year and many a week after that and many a year after that that we were sick and broke and defeated. And we were in the Bible. And he was going to Ramah. And we were still broke. And it gets tiring. And it gets old. And you begin to think, is God real? You don't have to raise your hand. Does church really work? Does God really love me? See how quiet it got? Even the strong ones, when that song started, tears were in their eyes. Because no matter how strong you are, year after year after year after year after week after year, that you don't see victories, it gets old. And you think you're doing everything right. As far as you know, you're doing everything that you know to do what the Word is saying to do. And all the while, you're still broke, and you're still defeated, and you're still hurting. So why do it? Well, if it don't work, you might as well take that Bible... And throw it away. I felt like doing it lots of days. I'm just being honest. I was working. We were broke. We went to Rama with maybe $500 in our pocket. Both of us had to find a place to live. Find a place to stay. Had Keith says looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. There was a big difference between us and the Beverly Hillbillies. They had money. We didn't. <laughs> I mean, they left with their truck loaded up, but they at least had money to get some place to live. We didn't. And you've heard the story told. We had maybe $20 after we got our place to live and... The people next door to us, one side was the school of metaphysics, the next side was the motorcycle gang, and um, they welcomed us by siphoning all the gas out of both of our vehicles. And that was all the money we had. That was it. So then we went broke. 
and started from there. And there was many a day we wanted to quit. Many a day we didn't know where the next tank of gas was going to come from and fasted lots of times. And it got old. And it wasn't fun. But what got us from there to here? What got us from that 1969 Marriott mobile home that we didn't have the money to buy, that our payments were, I think, if I remember correctly, and I usually pretty good about this, $99 a month, totally furnished, with the genuine imitation, black leather, sofa furniture, with the gas stove that did not work and the gas oven that did not work, that I cooked in an electric skillet and a toaster oven. To where we are today. What got us there? One thing. God. That's it. We didn't do it. We weren't smart enough. It wasn't our faith. It was his mercy. We weren't smart enough to get us there. We only had to do one thing, and that was not quit. Not quit. Because many days we felt like quitting. Many days when we'd come in and there wouldn't be any food to eat or any gas, I'd have to drive him all the way to school, then back to my job because we didn't have gas. And we'd both fast that day. And he's going to Bible school and serving God. Is God punishing us? I look back on it now, and it was some of the absolute most wonderful times of our lives. And let me explain to you why. Turn to 1 Samuel 17. Hold your place where we were, but turn to 1 Samuel. I'll pull a Keith on you. I learned from the best, I tell you. You all know the story. When David went to fight the Philistine, does anybody remember his conversation with Saul? Why Saul let him go fight the Philistine? Don't read it. Don't look down at it. Quit that. 
think about it. Think about what I just told you and why I said that was some of the most wonderful times as I look back. The reason David was allowed to fight the giant. We all know the story. But listen. It said, David said to Saul, verse 32. And I'm reading from the NIV. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out and fight him. You're only a boy. He's been a fighting man from his youth. But, everybody say but. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And what? When the lion or the bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it. And rescued the sheep from its mouth. And when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. What is he saying? Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. Because it has defiled the armies of the living God. Why was David able to fight the Philistine? God was on his side. He had learned on something smaller. First he learned with the lion. Then he learned with the bear. He didn't just start out with that. He started out with something small. When we went to Rama, I remember when we first got a hold to the word. We got a hold of a tape of Miss Gloria's. I think we've told you the story. We had $10 to our name. And we went to an auditorium in Jackson. Ten whole dollars to our name. We were rich. And we owed for everything we had. Our trailer payment was $99 furnished. And we went to this meeting and we sewed $5 in faith and we bought a tape on prosperity for $5 and went broke again. We went broke several times. How many of y'all have gone broke several times? Yeah. And we took that tape and we started listening to it. Well, we claimed 
a bunch of stuff because we thought that's what you were supposed to do from hearing that tape. But what we didn't realize at the time was we weren't there. Kenneth and Gloria had been doing this for a very long time. They had been using their faith for finances for years. And we hadn't. We had never even heard it before. And we tried to be where they were now. And it didn't work. And as Keith has told you before, our feathers fell. Well, years went by, and we began to learn. We went to Rama and got an apartment in what we used to call Shoot 'em Up Alley. Some of you know why, because we had a SWAT team as we came out one night. And anyway, many times we didn't have food. A lot of times the only food we had was food that our parents would send us that was grown in gardens from the south, Mississippi. And we'd have what we used to call, uh, some of our friends called hawk-eyed peas and butter beans because it was purple hull peas and butter beans. But we learned something. It took us a little while, but we learned it. You got your scripture there? Luke 6.38, what does it say and what color pen is it in in your Bible? What does red letters do? Trumps everything you believe. Now, do you believe the Bible is the inspired word of God? Do you really, really believe it? Do you believe men died so that we could have this Bible? Do you believe that holy men of old were inspired to write down these verses and scriptures so that we could have them? Inspired by the Holy Ghost? Okay. Put up Luke 6.38 on the screen. It says, give and what? It what? It what? It what? It shall be given to you. It didn't say it might be. It didn't say it was a possibility. Now, what color is that in that shall word? Now, my Bibles all have it in red. That shall word is in red. It said if you give... It shall be given to you. If you, Dave, give, it shall be given to you, Dave. Is that what that means? That's not putting my own interpretation on it. It says, if you give, it shall be given to you. Well, we didn't have much to give. You ever been there? So what do you have to do? You have to start where you are. We had peas. 
And the Canadians called them hawk-eyed peas. And they didn't much like them at first. But they were as broke as we were. (laughs) And they became pretty tasty to a lot of people. And I'd get home from work at 7 or 8 o'clock at night. And I'd go home and cook. Because that's all I could do. I had peas and butter beans and cornbread. And I'd have six or eight people over for dinner at least twice a week. Because that's all I had. That was it. Now, a lot of people wouldn't have done it. Because they were living in Shoot 'em Up Alley. And a lot of people were living a lot better than Keith and I were living. They were living in what we called then, some of you know what I'm talking about, that were going to school when we were going to school or in here, the Hardesty Apartments. They were real popular then, but we weren't. We were living in Shoot'em Up Alley, which is downtown, which was the bad part of town. But we started where we were. What keeps you from starting where you are? Three people got it. You got to start with what you have. Some people really don't even believe this. They believe that it works for other people, but it really, really doesn't work for me. But the scripture says, give and it'll be given unto you. Doesn't matter how broke you are. Doesn't matter where you are in life. The biggest problem that you have to do is look where you are and not do what we did. I can only talk about us. I don't know where you are and I don't know what you've done. But I do know how to keep from hurting the way we hurt. Because we made mistakes. And I don't want you to make the same mistakes we made. To try to jump from square one to square ten and be hurt all those years in between. Because if you try to jump from square one to square ten, you'll never make it to square ten. And you'll never make it to square two either. And you'll hurt year after year after year after year after year. You'll stay at square one. You know how I know? Because I got to listen to the song, Hold On. Because when we first heard about faith, we tried to believe God for a whole lot of new clothes a new house, and a new car. How many of you have done that? And we tried to do it the wrong way because we weren't there. And we got hurt. And we kept going down and down and down. 
The way you get to square two is by starting in square one. Give and it shall be given. How many of you in here have given before? Then you should be expecting to receive. You say, okay, yeah, well, I have given and I haven't gotten. Okay. Are you sure you haven't gotten? Maybe you haven't gotten the new house, but maybe you have gotten on the basis that you've given. And that's what we were trying to do. You're trying to give here and get here and getting defeated and depressed because you're not getting at this level when you're only giving at this level. So therefore, the devil is right there to beat you over the head and tell you you're a loser. How many youth do we have in here this morning? How many of keep your hands up just a minute. How many of you remember the illustration that we gave about the blessing and it stopping halfway? Stand up if you remember it. Okay, come down here real quickly. Y'all move this for me real quickly. I'll hold this while y'all move it. Stand over here at this side of the auditorium. Y'all know what we're going to do. Yeah, they're going to preach, no? They could do it. All the way over here and face this direction. Y'all know how we're going to do it. Well, who wants to be the blessing? Okay, CJ, stand over there. All right. Go on away on over there, CJ. All these guys are standing here and they've all sown their money. Y'all have all sown, right? Okay. They've all sown their money. They're believing God for things. Each one of them. I know them well enough to know every one of them in this line is believing God for something. Okay. But things are going on, and God deals with Jeremiah to not answer his mother back and to come in by 11 o'clock tonight, and he rebels, and he don't do it. So what happens to him? Stops. Get on your knees down there. Okay, y'all go forward a little bit. Stop. Then Mike is there. And God deals with him that he shouldn't take that from his job. He shouldn't be on his cell phone. He should be really putting out. He knows better than that. He's been taught better than that. He should be giving him 100% at his job. He shouldn't take that pen. He shouldn't do this. But he does it anyway. What happens to him? Okay. Got a whole crew that's going forward. There's their blessing right there. Right? God deals with her to give somebody something. What does she do? Doesn't do it. 
Now you got the whole rest of the crew over here. Okay? They're going forward. Things are going well. Things are going well. Then all of a sudden, stop. There's an attack on. And they're doing good. They're not messing up. They're doing good. Everything's going good. JJ's repented. So he's being able to God get up. He knows what happens when he repents. So he's able to come on, get back in with the others. Micah's repented. They've all repented. So y'all come on, get back in, in the line. So they know that they can still get their blessing. They know how to get their blessings. But now these guys here have been attacked big time. So they start saying, why, God? What did I do? Where did I mess up? What's wrong? Did I do something wrong? How come it ain't coming? The blessing's coming toward them. Come on, CJ. How come? How come it ain't coming? How come? And the more they question, then it starts going backward. And they start going down. Down, down. Down, down, and just exactly the same as if they were in sin. The more they question why, what did I do wrong? Where did I miss it? Where did I mess up? They've fallen just exactly the same way into the devil's hand as if they'd sinned. Because if he can't get you to sin, what is he going to get you to do? Doubt. And question. And your blessing has never left. It's still there. But he's going to get you to start doubting. But you got one or two here. A couple of y'all jump up. Oh, yeah, watch him. See? That they quit doubting and they say, no, Mr. Devil, you're not getting my blessing. And they just keep going. They just keep going. You're not going to win, devil. No matter what, I'm going to win. Like who? Caleb? Joshua? And no matter what, they're going to go. They're going to get their blessing. But the rest of them, it won't matter if it's sin or it won't matter if it's questioning Because of attacks and feeling sorry for yourself, it the effect is exactly the same thing. You still are stuck where the devil wants you. But the blessing is still there. And just like these three that repented... These guys can get up and shake it off. The blessing has never left. 
It's not gone. You just got to shake it off. Shake it off, guys. Yeah, shake it off. And run and get your blessing. Say, devil, you can't have it. And y'all go get it. It is exactly the same thing. Same thing in your life. That's why the song, Hold On. And always, thanks guys, y'all all win. But they have learned some of that. Just because their answer doesn't come today, just because they've missed it in something, just because they got rebellious with mom and dad, they're getting cars left and right. They're getting money left and right. Because what this is, is the devil's form of condemnation. One way or the other, he's going to get you to quit. That's his plan. However, he can convince you to quit believing and questioning. Did I miss it on this deal? Did I mess up here? Did we go too far with this? Did we, did we not do this right? Did we talk about somebody? Did we do this? Did we not do this in time? Should we have done this? Should we have done that? Should we, did we spend too much on this? Did we not give this when we should have? Did we not do this when we should have? Should we have sown this? Should we have not sown this there? Should we have done this? Should we have done that? Question after question after question after question. And what effect do question after question after questions have? The same effect as sin. It keeps you from your blessing. And that's where Keith and I stayed for years. We weren't in sin. We weren't having affairs. We weren't stealing money. We weren't doing things that were bad. We were questioning, what are we doing wrong? Where are we missing it? There's got to be a little click or a little niche or a little this or a little that. We ain't quite got it yet, God. There's something else we should be doing. We need to be doing some other little thing. And I'll never forget it. One of the first times that we were believing for something. Keith was a volunteer at Ramah. And I looked at him. And I said, me and all my faith, said, well, Keith, if this stuff really, really works, sweetheart, why is it taking so long? And he had a very good answer, as normal. He said, well, sweetheart, God has to use what is that? Put that verse back up there. Good measure, shaking together, running over. Shall. God has to use men in this world. And oftentimes, men don't do what God tells him to do. He said, but. And he pointed his finger at me just like that. I'll never forget it as long as I live. It changed our life forever. Ever since that day, things have been different for me. Because I believed it. He said, but do you believe 
And he don't usually call his name, but I will. You believe Brother Hagin can hear from God? And I said, yes, I do. He said, God is my witness if he's got to talk to Brother Hagin. If we believe God before this is due, he will have the money in our hands. I kid you not, by the next day, Brother Hagin had never talked to Keith personally in his life. He came and handed him $500 cash. And from that point on, it was like God told us what you said is true. What he said is true. Give and it shall be given. But you can't go around questioning all the time yourself. You can't go around doubting yourself all the time. You are not perfect. I got a news flash for you. And you're going to mess up sometime. But that's what 1 John 1, 9 is for. And just like I showed you with these kids, and just like I tell them, if they mess up, you get in that bed at night time, and you get your Bible out, and you confess 1 John 1, 9. Hey, I talked about them today at school. And I didn't mean to, but that's what everybody else was doing. And I repent, God. I don't want my blessing stopped. I repent. I love you, Lord. I'm sorry. I won't do it ever again. The same thing with you. You might have had somebody for lunch today. And talked about them. You might have done something you didn't want to do. But that's what 1 John 1, 9 is for. And as soon as you know it, you confess it. And if you don't know it, you don't go looking for it. Because that's the devil's ploy. To keep you broke. If he, if he can keep you questioning 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, what are we doing wrong? Where are we missing it? How come the blessing's not coming? How come we're so broke? How come we're so sick? then you'll stay sick and broke the rest of your life. It didn't say maybe. It said shall give and it shall be given unto you. You're the only one that can stop it by what you think up here. Now, John 10.10 says, The thief comes. But for what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. So he's stealing from you all the time. But he can only do so much. Just like with us. He can only steal. Dan's a giver. I know that for a fact. Dan is a giver. So Dan's prosperous. But if Dan, if God deals with Keith to give to Dan and Keith refuses because Dan's a giver, what's going to happen? It's going to be delayed. Why? 
because of the mercy of God. Because I know Dan's heart well enough to know he'd still want Keith blessed. And he'd say, God, deal with him again. And that's the way the mercy of God is. And God would deal with Keith again. Keith, get on it. Get it to him. And Keith's busy and trying to work his job, working late hours. And he says, get that money to Dan today. Well, he gets busy, gets off work late tomorrow night. A week goes by. He doesn't get it to Dan. Two weeks goes by. He doesn't get it to Dan. Dan is needing that money to pay a bill that he had last week. The money's there because he's already dealt with Keith to give it to him. Now, is God unfair? He's merciful to Keith. And another thing he's doing, he's teaching Dan to grow up and trust him. Because the money's there all the time. Maybe it comes down to the wire. Maybe it comes down to the Red Sea. And Keith just doesn't obey. So he calls Dave and says, Dave, get $10,000 to Dan today. Don't wait, don't delay, do it today. So he does it. Who's going to get the blessing? How often does that happen? But then Keith goes ahead and decides a month later, you know, man, forgive me. I was supposed to give you this $10,000 two months ago. Dan stayed in faith the whole time. I was supposed to give you this $10,000 six months ago. I didn't do it. Forgive me. What happens? He gets 20 grand. Hey, that's the way God works. That's exactly the way God works. He has mercy on Keith. But now Keith is there. And Keith's got a bill due. Right? Okay. And he needs the money and he asks God for the money. God, I have a $10,000 bill due tomorrow. Got to pay my staff. Need it tomorrow. Asking you for it. God deals with Laura. Laura, give the money to Keith. I'll get around to it. How did he sow? When he got around to it. He sowed when it was convenient. He sowed when he had time. He sowed when it worked out for him. He eventually did it. 
He gets his money four months later. He's upset with God because God didn't get it to him on time. Was it God that didn't get it to him on time? Or the way he sowed? Same way you sow is the same way you're going to reap. Now, what about Dave? He's got a bill due. He's got to pay somebody tomorrow. And it's $10,000. God deals with Mark. Mark, give Dave $10,000. He gets in his car and drives it over to him immediately. Why? It's the way he sowed. Now, which do you want to be? Which will you be? Does it matter how you do it? Now, there's some people that the only way they'll sow is if people see them. Got to make a big spectacle out of it. Everybody's got to know it. The way you sow is the way you're going to reap. If you want everybody knowing every time somebody sows to you, that's the way you're going to reap. And it may be a time that you may not want people to know that you need it. So however discreetly you want to be reaping is however discreetly you want to be a sowing. Now in all the years that Keith and I believed God for money, I don't recall a time that we ever told anybody that we were believing for money. I know that we believed a lot of times. But I know that the biggest deal in believing is your head. Do you understand what I mean by that? The biggest deal in believing is what you think about the instant you get up in the morning. Okay, I'll use these two guys again for an example. They both have businesses. He's got a business. He's got a $100,000 bill due today. He's got a business. He's got a $100,000 bill due today. He goes to work and chews out all of his guys today because he's got the pressure of that $100,000 bill eating at him all day long. And it's in the back of his mind. It's chewing on him. $100,000 bill due now. No jobs. Nothing in the hopper. So he takes it out on everybody around him. Is that faith? No. It's easy, easy to say no. You ever done it? Take it out on your spouse. Take it out on everybody around you. Is that faith? What will it do to your physical body when you get that way? You'll be in bed. Finances can put somebody in bed about as quick as anything I know, worrying over finances. He's got the same $100,000 bill due for his, but he gets up, 
First thing he sees in the mirror is $100,000, like written in red lipstick across the mirror. You owe $100,000 tomorrow. He takes the soap and washes it off, shakes it off, starts singing always, finds him a tape, puts it on, starts thinking about something else. Gets it completely and totally off of his mind. Because you know what? He can't do a stinking thing about it. He don't know anybody that can give him $100,000 today. He don't know anybody that can fix it for him. So why stew about it all day long? Either God comes through or he don't. So you might as well put your joy clothes on. That's when people are made or broken. That's it. You can say, I'm a faith person. You can say, I'm believing God for finances. You can say, we're in faith. And you don't have to say a word to anyone. But it's what you feel on the inside and how you're acting on the inside that determines whether you're in faith or not. God can see your heart whether your wife can or not. Dan's wife doesn't have to know whether he's in faith or not. God does. Shireen could think he's in faith and he'd be in doubt all day long. Is he going to get the answer? Doesn't work that way. It changed for me when I came to the conclusion that it didn't matter who God had to use. All I had to do was look to Him. I had given, and there are people on this earth that can hear from Him. And if He's got to send it to me through one of them, there are people that will listen to Him. And He can use whoever He wants to. But I'm going to trust him and quit looking this way and quit trying to figure it out. I got my eyes on you. You work it out, Lord. And that's what he does. But you can't keep your eyes on your job, on your mother, on your brother, your sister, your aunt, your cousin. Because no matter what level you're at, and that was the strangest thing to me. Because when we went to Ramah, we finally got to a level to where we were making it. 
we could get our meals, we could make our gas, we could, I mean, because the Lord showed us how to do it. I was at a doctor's office and I could start believing God for certain things to happen at that doctor's office and start believing for certain amounts to come in. And we started surviving. Well, glory to God. We weren't starving anymore. We could pay our bills. We actually got to move from shoot 'em up alley to another apartment. Neither one of them had a washer and dryer. This one was on the second level. It was not a whole lot better. It was just closer to school to where we didn't have to spend most of our money on gas then. It wasn't on shoot 'em up alley with the motorcycle gang in the school of metaphysics next door. And um, we stayed there for a few years. Then we actually were able to rent our own house. Oh, we thought we had arrived. During that time. And we were doing, actually sustaining and doing okay. You know, making pretty good money. Then we got a house. Still doing okay. I mean, we're having to take steps of faith that we call them steps of faith. I mean, the house that we bought was a major step of faith. The payments were like, oh, I think $800 a month, which was a major step of faith for us. But we were doing good. I was making really, really good money at the time. The doctor that I was working for, his business was flourishing. Things were going really, really well. Then God changed it all. And it was like we had to go back to where we didn't have any faith again. It was like... We had never learned anything about faith, hardly. We had our house. We had moved to our other house in Tulsa. And God said, you think you know about faith? He told Keith to quit traveling and told us to start traveling with Brother Hagen and pay all of our bills and all of several of our staff's bills to go with us. And we still had a whole staff and we paid all of our stuff. Hmm, what's with this? Why? Why would that be? Because he wants us to grow. We could have stayed at that level forever for the rest of our lives. But it's time for the next step. It's time for us to quit trusting in man and start trusting in him. We had learned that we could trust in our jobs. We had learned that we could trust in our meetings. But we'd never, ever totally and completely relied on just him. And it comes a point in time as you grow that you're going to go through levels. You may have gone through the first level. And you may be going, God, I thought I was past that. And here you are again. Well, it's time to take the next step and trust him. Don't quit. 
because the next one's better than the first one when you come out of it. You're further along than you've ever been. Things are greater. I'll never forget it. One day we were flying back or driving back to the airport. And uh, it was just Keith and I had the car at the time. And we were going to get, I think, Mom and Dad. And um, I guess it was Karen that called. And she said, we got a bill today for the airplane. And it's due right away. And I said, how much? She said, just that little part was $50,000. And I said, $50,000? I mean, we didn't make anything on the road. We made just enough to pay the, for our rooms and um, I think Kate and Steve's rooms and for us to get there and back. And we're coming back in facing a bill of $50,000. You want to swap places? What did we do? We had learned. We don't panic. Hey, it's like Jesse said, God, you got mail. (laughs) Hey, we're doing what God told us to do. And it's his turn. There's where you go. Not here, not here, not here, not this one, not this one. Well, they got money, they might send us some. They got money, they might send us some. They usually send us some this time of month. Reckon they will? They? That way. That day, somebody sent us an offering. Covered the whole thing and more. That day. Now, that is called living by faith. Nothing we did. But every time we have done that, when we came to start this church, and we started the other one, and I stood there on the platform. We didn't have an extra $10,000 in the bank to put towards another church. And the guy says, how many people do you have in your congregation? I said, none. He got up. He was sitting about where Dave is from the other auditorium. And he goes, okay. And he walked out. He like another flake in Branson. I don't blame him. I do not blame him. But God, I did the same thing we always do. What good would it have done to look out here? Do you see why I'm telling you that? Because God was preparing us all along to where there was going to be nobody in those seats to look to. Do you understand? If he hadn't trained us like he did David, 
with the lion and the bear. And he said, start a church with zero money. And I had been used to looking to people. And Keith had been used to looking to people. And we would have been used to putting pressure on the people in the chairs. And we looked out to the people in the chairs to start the church. It would have been real sad when we looked out for the people for the, to receive an offering to start the church. And Miss Jean, you weren't there. Barbara, you weren't there. Matt, you weren't there. Nobody was there. It would have been real sad. Because nobody knew we existed. And you have to do the exact same thing. God will bring it to pass. He said, give and it shall be given. Shall be given. Not maybe, not possibly, not it could possibly come next year, next month, next. Give and it shall be given. Shall be. So you got tired. So you got weary. So you got frustrated. And what good did that do you? Stand up. Did you see what the youth did? Shake it off. Literally, shake it off. Shake it off. Tired, weary, doesn't matter. Shake it off. Shake off that tiredness, that weariness. Choir, come back out here just a minute. We're not done yet. I need y'all a part of something out here. We're going to do something this morning. They're still coming around back. They, part of them heard me, part of them didn't. They can just come back out this way when they get up here. Matt, can y'all hear me? Come on back out here. Y'all come, come back to y'all seats just a second. I want us to do something this morning, but y'all can come this way. Come this way so you don't take you so long. <laughs> they didn't see you anyway. Come this way. Y'all are handsome and good looking and pretty and very rich anyway, so it doesn't matter. And a major blessing. Just come on, come on down. Come on down. Have your seats just a second. Okay. What I want us to do for just a minute is I know everybody in here is a giver. But I know, come on out, come on out. Everybody put your microphones down and come on and have your seats just a minute. Y'all are pretty too. Put your microphones down. Have your seats just a minute. I want everybody to be a part of this. I want everybody. Yeah, come on out this way. It's quicker that way. I know everybody in this church. I believe. I can't say I know. I believe everybody in this church is a giver. Because I don't sit down and check everybody's records. So I choose to believe everybody in this church is a giver. Based upon that, I believe 
everybody in this church should be Why are y'all so quiet on that part? Put that verse back up there. Read it with me. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure... That you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Shall be given. Now, I know for a fact that there's people in this room that have asked us things. They've asked us, who should we give this washer and dryer to? Who should we give this car to? Who should we give this dishwasher to? Who should we give this clothes to? Who should I give this ring to? Who should I give this coat to? They're constantly asking us those questions. All the time. We get those questions all the time. And our consistent answer is... Be led. Because it's real easy to ask us and try to get us to be led for them. So this morning, I want everybody that has it to take out at least a dollar or some change, a quarter, a nickel, a penny, a dollar, a thousand dollar bill, a five hundred dollar bill, a ring, a watch, a, a nickel, a penny. If you don't have it, raise your hand. I've got some money up here. I'll give you. Ushers, come up here and take some, take some of this money and give it out to some people that doesn't have any. This is my own personal money in case anybody's watching. It came out of my billfold. I didn't steal it from the church. I didn't take it out of your ties. And if any TV cast are watching, it's mine. And I don't mind sewing it. Here's some hands still up over here. People around them, if they've got their hands up, it'd be a good time to sew. If you've got an extra dollar, an extra quarter, an extra, give them something. Everybody in this place, get something on your mind, your heart, your hand to sew. There should not be a person in this room without something to sew. Now raise your hand if you don't have anything to sew. Scream, yell, shout, do something if you don't have anything to sew. I can't see underneath the balcony back there, so make sure that they're covered back there. Don't be embarrassed if you don't have anything to sow. This is your time. God said he gave seed to the sower. This is it. Christmas time is coming up. Now, everybody should have something to sow. Right? 
I want every person in this room to find somebody you have never met before, be led. You heard that word? Led. And sow something into them. I don't care if it's your car. You should have a dollar. You should have a nickel. You should have something on you. That I just gave you, a lot of people, something. And sow something into them. What you waiting for? An invitation? (laughs) Find somebody you've not met before or somebody you have met before and sow something into them. Now, when you get to them, don't leave them. Don't leave them. Stay with them. Camera operators, too. You're not exempt. Somebody get to them. Every person in this auditorium. If they, camera operators don't have a dollar on them, somebody come up here, Wayne, give them all a dollar out of this thing. If you, I got plenty more. Hey, I'm sewing. I don't know if Barry has one up here. I don't know if the sound guys have one. I don't know these guys. They have one. Tony and Greg. I can't see who's on that camera over there. Jake. Okay, everybody with them? Now pray with them. Oh. Oh, oh. That their seed is in the ground. And that they're going to receive a harvest on the seed that they've sown into you. Every person should be with somebody, either sowing or reaping. Father, I thank you for this time of sowing and reaping. And I ask you that your anointing be upon it and that everything that's sown into the ground now return multiply to each and every person that's sowing it now. In your name we pray, speedily. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, find your seats. You should be excited. Every person in this room should be excited. Because every person in this room has seed in the ground. And I know for a fact every person in this room is good ground. So you've sown into good ground. So you should be expecting a harvest right away because it says what? Give and it shall be given. To who? 
Me. And what's the only thing that can stop it? You doubting. You doubting. That's it. Stop that mind. You're not jinxed. You're not a jinx and you're not jinxed. You're not a curse and you're not cursed. The Bible says so. You're blessed. And you are a blessing. And anything else is from John 10.10, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Put up the new living in that John 10.10. The thief's purpose... What's his purpose? What's his purpose? To give them a rich and satisfying life. Does God have a purpose? To give us a rich and satisfying life. Do you receive it? I receive it. Anything else is the first part of that verse where the devil comes to steal your joy, your happiness, your health, your goods. It's from the devil. Don't receive it. Stick to the second part of that verse. The worst thing you can do is quit. I'm going to read you one more verse, and then they, they're ready now. I'm telling you, they are Johnny on the spot. Ephesians 6.13. I'll read it to you from two translations. And this is what you must do. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may, may be able to withstand in the evil day. How many of you have had some evil days lately? Okay. Having done all to stand, do what? Stand. stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the what? Where you're able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Has he been throwing any darts at you? What do you got to do? You hold up. You hold it up. Your shield of faith. It's real. If you don't, every time you don't, that wicked dart will come piercing through. That deal's not going through. You've lost another one. That money's going down the drain. What do you got to do? You hold up that shield of faith and it can't get there. The first time that thought comes, I always make good deals. Every deal I do, I'm led. 
The Lord leads me and he guides me and he helps me. And I never miss it. You hold up your shield of faith. Look at you. You're sick again. The devil's stealing all your money. No, I'm never sick. I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. Look at you. Your kids are going to steal all your money. They're going to take it. It's going to take all the money that you've got to get them out of jail this time. No. They'll live for God and serve God all the days of their life. Laborers are going across their paths. Hold up that shield of faith. Hold it up. The thoughts can come, but they can't hit you here. It's when they get in here that they stay day after day after day after day. If they go over your mind, it's one thing. That thought can pass. That arrow can pass right over Mo's head. And he'll think it. But it's when it gets in here. And it stays. Day after day after day. And you dwell on it hour after hour after hour. That's because it's pierced you. And you've taken it to heart. And you believe it. But if that arrow just flies right over your head. Because your shield of faith was up. It can't hurt you. That's what we have that shield of faith for. So having done all to stand, stand. Keep that shield of faith up. The uh, Amplified says, therefore, stand, hold your ground. Having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and moral rectitude and standing uh, right with God and having your feet shod with a preparation to face the enemy with a firm-footed stability, the promptness and readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace. Lift up over all the covering, the shield of saving faith, which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one. He cannot win if you won't give in. Don't quit. Stand up with me. Hold up your shield of faith. Hold it up in front of you. Say, devil, devil. you fired some shots. Get your Bible out. Hold it up. That's your shield. That's your sword, but you can still hold it up like your shield anyway. Just hold it up in front of you. Like you're combating those darts. The devil throws one. Fight it off. Make it, you know what it does, make it go over your head. It can't stay. Say, devil, you fired some darts and they landed. But I pulled them out. And they cannot stay. No more. I'm winning. You've lost. I'm the victor. You're the victim. I win. You lose. I have given. Now I can receive. All things God has prepared for me. Now thank Him that it's happening for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father.
Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Glory to God.